Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Revelation 19, Revelation 19, it all comes down to this. We live in a dark world. It's a world that is cursed. And because of sin, it's a world full of hate and envy, wickedness, perversion, disease, disaster, and death. On Thursday, I stood at the casket of a dear friend who I've known for over 40 years. And I stood arm in arm between her two sons who I've known for over 40 years. And there were tears. But there was hope. Because the king is coming. The king is coming. And it's the reason that we can have hope in the face of death. The reason that we can have joy in the face of empowered and entrenched wickedness, not just in our country, but in countries all over the world today. The king is coming, and he will make things right. And he will put things in order. And he will reverse the curse. Now, we have been on a difficult journey together, especially as we have gone through Revelation chapter 6 through 18. And we have stretched our brains and we have gotten frustrated at trying to grapple with some mysteries that God warns us are going to require wisdom and that are going to remain mysteries until the time that they will finally be revealed when those seven thunders are uttered, the the end of mysteries will be known. But it's all come down to this. It's all come down to the hope that we have. The king is coming. Revelation 19 verse 1 says, After these things, after the destruction of Babylon, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty-four elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, it is so, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. I believe this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he has said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now let's stop there for just a moment. 
I want to show you what happens as the king prepares to claim his throne. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Some people errantly and heretically think that means that God created Jesus first. That is not the case. He is the image of the invisible God. Yes, he is the firstborn of all creation, but by him were all things created. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things are made by him, John goes on to say. Nothing has been made that has not been made by him. He is the firstborn in this. The firstborn is a title. It was not always given to the firstborn uh, in terms of sequence. But it was given to the child who was to be the first in the inheritance and the first in the responsibility. Sometimes, as in the case of Esau and Jacob, it was not given to the one who came out of mama first. That was Esau. But it was given to the one that God chose to inherit the family responsibility and the bulk of the family blessing, which was Jacob. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Many were born before Jesus Christ was born. But no one was ever born greater. No one was ever born more important. No one was ever born who carried the hopes not just of his mom and dad, not just of even a nation, but of all creation. When Jesus Christ the sinless, perfect God of very God, Son of God, stepped into time and humbled himself to the womb of the Virgin Mary and then was born in a humble state, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger, God in a manger, God in human flesh, God who would grow up and live a sinless life so that he could willingly lay down that life as a substitute for your life. To pay for your sin, not his own, but for your sin, and for your sin, and for your sin, and for my sin, and for the sins of all mankind, Christ laid his life down. But because he was sinless, he was able then to take it up again and to be raised victorious from the dead. So now he, from heaven, through us, through you and me, extends the invitation to salvation. Extends the invitation that if you will admit that you are a sinner in need of the only Savior that God has provided, Jesus Christ. And if you will believe that he died for your sin, and literally paid for your sin, and literally rose physically victoriously from the dead and if you will call out to him and admit that you are a sinner and the, the bible word is repent which means you change your mind you change your mind about your sin and you change your mind about your savior you say god i'm turning from my sin now and i'm turning to the savior and if you will call in the name of the lord you will be saved and you will be part of this veneration ceremony in heaven. We see in these first nine verses that the king is venerated in heaven. I want you to notice a few things about these verses. Number one, he's praised for specific things. He's praised for his salvation. It's why we sang the songs that we, that we sang this morning, and it's why we sing many of the songs that we sing. We praise Jesus Christ for saving us. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell somebody. Speak it out. Praise him for his salvation. And praise him for his glory. Church, if, if you are saved, you're going to be part of this worship service. So don't wait till you get there to start praising him for his salvation and praising him for his Glory. Now, there are a couple of different words that can mean glory. Sometimes the word glory comes from the word which really means weight. Weight. Something is 
valuable in the old culture whenever you put things on scales. Something is valuable based on its weight. The glory is the weight or the importance of God, the importance of Jesus Christ. And it's why he's worthy of all honor that we are careful, listen church, careful about how we talk to him and about him. Now he is our friend. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But my fear is that many Christians are too casual in how they talk and even sometimes joke about Jesus Christ. He is worthy of all of our honor, and it is because he has all power. He is glorious, and he is powerful. He has all authority, and he has all ability to do everything that he promised to do, everything he has said he will do. He has the power to do it. Praise him for it. We should be praising Jesus, not just on Sundays, but praising Jesus for these four things right now. I know the world gets dark. I know that there's pain. I have cried myself to sleep. Not, thank the Lord, not recently, but I have cried myself to sleep in the past. And I've wrestled with depression and anxiety, and I've struggled. I've had my own struggles, my own fears. And what we need to do when we're struggling is we need to look to Jesus. The cross of Jesus reminds us how much God loves us. Why does Paul preach the gospel to himself? To remind himself that God loves me so much that while I was yet a sinner, he laid his life down for me. And greater love hath no man than this, Jesus said, that a man lay his life down for his friends. He laid his life down because of his love for us, even while we were yet sinners, even when we were the enemies of Jesus, he died for us. And the power of the resurrection reminds me that he can do everything he's promised to do. So why do I need to be afraid? If I know he loves me enough to die for me and I know he's powerful enough to conquer death and the grave, why am I afraid? Why am I worried about tomorrow? Jesus said, tomorrow will take care of itself. Worry about today. And by the way, don't worry, give it to me. Give it to me. Notice also he's praised specifically for destroying the great whore. Now, I'm not going to dive back into Mystery Babylon as a city, as a nation, or as a system today, other than to say this. It is high past time for the church in America to grow a spine and to stand against wickedness and perversion and to be willing to speak out against the great whore. We have a church that is so self-righteous and so cowardly that we're afraid to call sin, sin. Lying is not loving. If you lie to somebody and say that their sin's okay because you don't want to hurt their feelings because you want to affirm them, you're not loving them. You're loving yourself. Because you're loving how it makes you feel when somebody likes what you have to say. And when somebody hearts your comment. And when somebody gives you a thumbs up. We must be willing to speak out against wickedness. Where is that found? Well, I know we were in the book of Ephesians before we... We're in the book of Revelation, but it's been a few months since we came into the book of Revelation. So go with me for a moment back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. God wants you to be loving. God wants the church to be known for its love. But notice how we are to love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you 
with vain words. Let no one tell you, oh, God doesn't care about your sin. We don't talk about sexual sin in this church because we don't want anybody to feel judged. Well, friend, I, I want to tell you, I, I, and I've said this several times in the last week, there, there are no scarlet letters in this church. We don't put scarlet letters on anybody because the blood of Jesus washes that all the way. Okay? I don't care what your sin is. But I care that you know it's sin. And I care that you confess it. And I care that you bring it to the cross. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His grace is amazing. But if we dilute sin and we don't talk about sin and don't call it sin, then grace ceases to be grace. Because why do you need amazing grace if you're not a wicked sinner? If you're not a wretch like I am? The church needs to grow a spine. Listen to what Paul goes on to say. Be not therefore partakers with, don't be deceived, church. Don't be deceived. Stop ignoring the groomers coming for our kids. Stop ignoring it. Stop being so cowardly and cloaking your cowardice as compassion. I'm so compassionate towards the pedophiles, and I'm so compassionate towards the groomers that I don't want to speak out against it. Why shouldn't they be allowed to read their pornographic filth to our kids in the library or in the public schools? Because God says, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Ye were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Expose them because it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make it manifest is light. If you love them, you will shine light on it. If you love them, you will shine the light of truth. Now, we don't do it to say that we're better. Many of us, Paul said, remember who you were. Remember who you were. You're, not, you're no better. You're just forgiven. And praise God, God forgives us of our sin, and he cleanses us. And our message is not be holy like me. Our message is you can be holy like him because he'll give you his holiness. He'll give you his righteousness. He'll give you his wardrobe of righteousness. And he will wash all of that filth and shame away. But you got to get clean. You got to get clean, right? My son gets ink all over his hands when he's doing a, a, an art project. And then what? Mommy wants to wash his hands. He don't want to wash his hands. What's wrong with the ink? Well, the ink going to get everywhere else, right? Because your sin never stays with just you, by the way. Your sin impacts your family, your friends, your coworkers, your church. Church. We have to stand, we have to stand and be willing to speak out against the wickedness of the great whore and expose her works and expose her deeds. Because she's coming down. God's going to bring her down. God's going to judge and expose all of this systemic deception and wickedness. It's all going to come to an end. We praise God for that. Don't love the world, friend. Don't love the world. If, the, if any man loves the world, 1 John 2 says, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love the system. The system is a system of death and deception, but it is going to be destroyed. And we praise, hallelujah, we praise God for that. Amen? So, so speak against it now. Don't be part of the system. Praise for his salvation, glory, honor, and power. Praise for destroying the great whore. And notice, notice this, church, Revelation 19. He is praised by all in heaven, small and great, verse 5, small and great. Now, did you know that God is not a communist? Did you know that God is not a socialist? 
I know the Laodicean Church of America wants you to think that God just wants everybody to have the same thing, but that is not what God's Word says. And even here in heaven, we're not all getting the same apartment in the mansion. We're not all getting the same wardrobe in the mansion. We're not all getting the same crowns. Now, don't, don't, don't trip because in Christ, Galatians says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor free. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither slave nor rich nor poor, slave nor free. It doesn't matter what you got in the bank. It doesn't matter what you got in your genes. We all come to Christ as sinners in need of a Savior, or you don't come at all. We're not born saved. We don't get saved by some religious person putting you in, in water or putting water on you. you. You don't get saved by what you give to the church. You get saved by what Christ has given to you and what Christ has offered to you if you receive it by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, rich or poor, slave or free, whatever your nationality, whatever your ethnicity, it does not matter. In Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. Stop dividing over stupid things. Stop being more of a white person than a Christian or more of a black person than a Christian or more of a Hispanic person than a Christian. Stop being more of a rich person than a Christian, more of a poor person than a Christian. Stop being more of an American than a Christian. Be a brother and sister of all who are truly in Christ. That's for us today. But here's, here's the other side of the coin, folks. We're not all getting the same rewards. We're not. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that when we stand before God, that uh, as the church, when the church stands before the Bema seat, we will not be judged, talk, Lord willing, more about this again next week. We will not be judged for our sins. Our sins are gone. They're paid for. They're removed as far as east is from the west. You're not taking them with you to heaven. There's not going to be some big screen up in heaven where all of your sins are going to be displayed for you or anybody to see because they're gone. But what is going to pass through the fire is everything else. Everything else, to everything that's not a sin. How much time I'm on my phone. How much time I'm playing a video game, how much time I'm working at work, how much time I'm out hunting or camping or whatever your hobby is, how much time, and, and those things aren't wrong, and I'm not telling you not to have a hobby, and I'm not telling, because listen, you ask my wife, I play games, I play, I'm playing video game this morning, before, well, that's how I wake up, my coffee and my steam is generally how I wake up, okay? little fact about the pastor that you didn't know or some of you didn't care to know. <laughs> but here's the thing. What you do for Jesus is what will last. I used to play fantasy football. Don't play it anymore. When I became a pastor, I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry Sunday morning. Now, if you do, God bless you. But... Um, I said, you know what, I'm not going to worry about my lineup every Sunday morning, so I'm just not going to do it. So I stopped, and I, I'm, I hurt some, friend, some friends' feelings because I pulled out of a couple leagues that I've been in for, for over a decade, and I, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't miss it, but I will tell you that in the first 10 years of our friend league, I won five of the championships. So on the other hand, they were glad to see me go. Uh, another friend's league that I started back in, I think, 2003, and I won the first two years I was in the league, and the third year I didn't get invited to play again this, the third year. And none of that matters squat when it comes to eternity. None of that matters squat when it comes to today, really. I mean, I had a trophy that, uh, you know, my name was on, and I got to have it for a year, then I had to send it back, and to the person who got it next year. I mean, we did it We did it right, guys. I mean, we had the trophy with the little placards on it and stuff. None of it matters. None of it matters. The only thing, only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ. And some of you, nobody else sees it, but God sees your prayers. God sees the amount of time you spend before the throne of God. God sees the amount of tears that you spend 
and that are shed in prayer, and you will be rewarded. And you will be crowned. And you will. No, we don't do it for that, though. But if you don't do it for that, those are who is going to get rewarded. And don't, miss, don't make, make a mistake. Don't miss this. There are going to be great and small in heaven. Now, listen, I know we're all just glad to be there, right? I know that we're glad to be there. But the Apostle Paul, in his last letter to the church and to Timothy, said that you need to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Meaning that there are Christians who will get to heaven. And yeah, they're there. Praise God, they're there. But they're going to be ashamed. Because all of that time that they had as a Christian, they didn't spend it serving, serving Jesus. They didn't spend it serving his church. They spent it serving themselves. And you have your reward. Congratulations. You have your reward. I got my five fantasy football championships from that league. I, had, I won other leagues too, but just from that one. Congratulations, DJ. You got your rewards. No one cares. No one cares. No one even remembers. I want you all to be great in heaven. First of all, I want you all to be there. I want you to, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. And don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Get right with God. Too. You may not have tomorrow. Okay? You may not have tomorrow. Do it today. But for those of us who are brothers and sisters, man, I want you all to be rewarded. I want you all to get blessed. Paul, Paul said that. He said, look, my joy is you getting rewarded. What I'm looking don't you want that for your kids? Don't you want that for your grandkids? Well, we should want it for all of our Christian brothers and sisters as well. And notice that God here, Jesus Christ in Revelation 19, is also praised for the faithfulness that he has displayed to his bride. Who's his bride? We are the church. God, it's just a metaphor, guys. Don't get hung up on your t- oh, I'm a guy. I'm a dude. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a bride. It's the church. It's that's it's the it's the. The spiritual and mystical body called the church, the body of Christ. We're also called a building, okay? Don't, we got, got some blockheads, all right? But we also, we're also called a building that we're all built together, Peter said. We're the temple of God, Paul said. We're a building, we're a body, and we are the bride. We're the bride of Christ, and he is faithful to us. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Church, are we being faithful to him? That's the question. We will praise him in heaven, in his very presence for his faithfulness to us. But are we being faithful to him here and now today? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would, be, would follow after me, want to be my disciple, you follow after me, you're going to have to deny yourself daily. You're going to have to take up your cross daily. And you're going to have have to actually follow me you want to talk about love you better be loving like i am you want to talk about people forgiving you are you forgiving people the way i've forgiven you we will praise him in that day for his faithfulness to his bride now i got a few other verses i need to get through here this morning so look with me again revelation 19 Verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John. This is John talking about the angel. The angel is revealing these things to John. And John said, I was so overwhelmed by what I was seeing and by the angel that was with me that I fell down to worship the angel. And the angel said, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you know that in the second coming, Jesus will not only be venerated, he will be vindicated. What does that mean? All of the prophecies way back from the Garden of Eden, all the way through the apostles and the prophets will all be fulfilled all the promises concerning his kingdom that he's going to set up, all the promises concerning his faithfulness to Israel and to the church, all of his promises will be vindicated. 
Why do we study prophecy? It's not so we can be smarter. It's not just so that we can know what's coming, although that's a big part of it. I mean, Revelation 1 says that God is telling us the things that are going to quickly take place in the future. But Revelation 1 also says that this is a revelation of Jesus. We study revelation and all prophecy because it reveals Jesus to us. We don't study it just for us and what it says to us about us. We study it because it shows us who he really is and what he is really like and how powerful he is and how he will keep all of his promises to us and all of his warnings to his enemies. All will be fulfilled in the vindication of prophecy from gar- from the Garden of Eden to Israel. Listen, you know, you remember Genesis three fifteen. Maybe the taste of that forbidden fruit was still in their mouth when they hid themselves from the presence of God. But you cannot hide from God. You can hide from me. You can hide from your husband. You're from your wife. You can hide from your kids. Some of you aren't as good as hiding from your kids as you think you are. Just warning you, as a former youth pastor, some of you are not as good at hiding things from your kids as you think you are. But you never hide from God, ever. Nothing is hidden from God. Okay, And so God sees Adam and Eve. He knows right where they are. He goes right to them. But he also knew where the serpent was, praise God. And he said, hey, serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And Satan, the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to crush your head. And all you're going to do is bruise his heel. Through the prophet Jacob, Israel, when he was about to die and he was prophesying over his sons, he said, Judah, the scepter will never depart from you. One of your descendants, Judah, is going to be king and he's going to rule forever. And then to David, God said in the Davidic covenant, David, I'm going to establish your throne forever. And so we look for the coming of Yahuwah ben David. Jesus, son of David, the Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is coming back to keep all of the promises given. Time fails us to go to Isaiah, Zechariah, even Romans chapter 11 talks about these fulfilled prophecies. Let me at least take you to Romans chapter 11, another passage we looked at a few years ago now. Romans 11 Verse 25 says, I would not, brethren, speaking to the Gentile Christians, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Jesus in the second coming is not coming for the church. The bride we see is already in heaven with him. We're already there. We're getting dressed up for the party, for the coronation on earth of the king in heaven, who is king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming to save Israel. He's coming to save his nation. He's coming to keep the promises that he has made to Israel, and he will be vindicated. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's why we study prophecy, to see the faithfulness of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, the mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Notice, though, when he comes back. He will not just be venerated in heaven. He will not just be vindicated in the prophets. He will be visible in the skies. Verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold, pay attention, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. In Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, When I come back to to set up this kingdom, when I come back to fulfill these promises, 
there's not going to be a secret arrival. Not going to show up. They're not going to find my body in a tomb out in the wilderness. I'm not going to be in some secret chamber. They're not going to be pulling my DNA off of some mummy in a secret chamber. I'm not going to come in the shadows. I'm going to split the sky when I come back. And every eye on the planet will behold me. And everybody's going to see it all at once. And there will be no secret. There will be no mystery. And I'm not coming back. Listen, listen. I'm not coming back just in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I'm not just coming back for an instant to come get my bride and take her away. I'm coming now with my bride, and we're going to take our time as we descend. We're going to be paraded before the armies of the Antichrist as the armies of heaven. We're not, we're not the armies of heaven. We're the bride. As the armies of heaven follow the King of kings and Lord of lords to earth. There will be no secret return. Jesus Christ has not already kept his promise of the second coming in the church. There are heretics today that teach this. They teach the church is the second coming. Well, we're the, we're, we're the body of Christ. We're, Christ is already here. No. He will split the sky. And every eye will see him literally Physically, the resurrected king of kings visible in the skies. And friends, here's why we have hope. Here's why we have hope. You ever watched a movie and it was great until the end and the ending you saw so far ahead of time that it was almost anticlimactic? But, you know, even sometimes when we know the ending of a movie, the movie's so good because the ending's so good, we can watch it over and over and over again. We can watch that Death Star blow up over and over and over again, right? We can watch one of the 50 endings of Lord of the Rings over and over and over again, right? We can watch, I know, I, okay, I see you guys, I see you, okay. I already know it's coming, but it's such a good ending. Jesus Christ will be victorious in battle. Listen to this. Faithful and true, come in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Maybe we are part of these armies. I mean, I see us as, as the bride and them as the armies, but it'll all work itself out. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Psalm chapter 2 fulfilled. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Friend, you want to be behind him, not in front of him on this day. You want to be up there with him, not waiting for him. He is coming back. If you're not ready, get ready. Get ready today so that you can be with him that day. He hath on his vesture, verse 16, on his thigh a name written. He's, he's got a tat down his leg, okay? I know that offends some of you. I, I don't care. Um, because it's written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings. We're getting a little PG-13 this morning. And the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them in the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Now, one of my favorite horror movies. Some of you already know which, what it is. Some of you all too young to know, but it's The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. I don't know why my mom let me watch that when I was a kid. But I thought that that was a cool, scary, cool movie when I was a kid. They were going to remake it. I'm glad they didn't. They ruin everything these days. They ruin all the remakes these days. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen to us. It's not going to happen to the church. 
but the birds of the air are going to be gathered on that day. And it's going to be something out of the worst horror movie you've ever seen if you don't know Jesus. Both small and great, rich and free, king and slave will be feasted on by the carrion from Christ. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So you remember at the beginning of the book of, of tribulation uh, of Revelation, back in um, Revelation chapter 6, the Antichrist, the imitation Christ, comes on an imitation white horse, a horse from hell. This is the horse from heaven. And the Christ from hell is going to get crushed by the Christ from heaven, the true Christ. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. You're not swinging a sword on this day, folks. You're not firing bows and arrows at the enemy. We are just there as witnesses. Jesus Christ is the conqueror. Jesus Christ is the terrifying conqueror on the white horse. Some of you need to readjust your image of Jesus because the Jesus that you have in your head is a false sissy Christ that is not real and cannot help you. A sissified Nancy boy Jesus. He's so nice. He's so nice to us. Listen, he's good. And he's kind, but he's never been nice. Have you not read the Gospels? Have you not read about him flipping tables? I, I, I'm half tempted to flip this today. I'm glad those were shut. <laughs> and I'm glad the tea did not go. Have you not heard about him flipping tables? Have you not heard about him getting in the face of Pharisees and calling them whitewashed tombs, vipers, right? Because he, you know what? He cared about the people they were abusing. He cared about the people they were deceiving. He was angry with who was being harmed by the money changers, taking advantage of the poor in the temple. He is kind and he is good, but he is not nice. But that's the real Jesus. The conquering Jesus, the warrior king who is coming to conquer the wicked world. Let me give you these three names as we close. Faithful and true. He is faithful and true. He judges righteously in war. He is the word of God. He gets the final word. And he is terrifying in his power. Remember back in chapter one, John, who I believe, by the way, was his cousin through Mary who had ministered with him, had walked with him as the beloved disciple. When he saw Jesus in his glory, even he fell down as a dead man. Even he was overwhelmed with the power and the glory of his friend and king, Jesus Christ. He's the word of God. He gets the last word. He gets the final word, and his word is always faithful and always true. And here's the thing, guys. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king of the kings and the Lord of the lords. He leads God's armies. His sword speech will bring God's wrath, and he will utterly destroy the beast and all of the rulers and kingdoms who oppose him. Now, I want to close with this one verse. We've already read it. Verse 7 of chapter 20. Or chapter 19, excuse me. Chapter 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Church, are you making yourself ready for this day? See, how you live today is part of how you prepare. I'm not talking about working your way into heaven. I'm talking about being rewarded for what you do for Christ. Only one life. 
soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And what you do for Christ will be rewarded and reflected in that day of preparation as we get to ride with him back home and he gets to clean up this place and fix it once and for all for the kingdom's sake. And we'll talk, Lord willing, next week about the end of the curse and about who gets into the kingdom and about how the kingdom continues forever and ever. But what are you doing today? Are you living for the things of this world? Let's everyone bow our heads and close our eyes. Are you living for the things of this world? That's all going to pass away. Are you trusting in the things and the systems of this world? that When Jesus comes back for us, it's all going to get left behind anyways. Titles that aren't going to mean anything in eternity. Achievements that won't mean anything the moment that you die. Or are you living to please Jesus Christ? And I want to ask, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus yet, will today be the day? Will today, you know you're a sinner. We're all sinners. I'm not up here as somebody who doesn't sin. Ask my son. He will give you an honest answer. Or ask my wife. She's honest too. We're all sinners. But will you admit that before a holy and righteous God? And will you believe in the one that he has given to pay for those sins? Who rose victorious from the grave so you don't have to be afraid of death? You don't have to worry about death? You can live forever forgiven with him. Will today be the day? Would you be the first one, even if you're the only one to come at the, as we close now? Every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone stand. Let's pray together. God, I pray your spirit's moving right now. God, I know there's Christians here. They've got decisions that they need to make. They haven't been living for you. They've been living for the world. And Father, I, I don't know if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, but you know. You know if there's somebody here who needs to get right with you. God, I pray this is the day of salvation for that man or that woman. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, the altar is open. Whatever your need, sing this hymn with me as we close. wonderful save we praise your name father we praise your name jesus for the salvation that you have brought and brought and how you saved us 
God, I'm so thankful that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. But God, help us to remember just how faithful you are to us and how you want to bless us. As your children, you want to bless us and reward us forever and ever for all eternity. But you want us to be faithful here and faithful now. Father, may we each of us be rededicated in our commitment to the one who gave us eternal life. We ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you at 4 o'clock for our church picnic. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.